See up here on the stage, you'll notice I've got some, uh, some resurrection eggs. And uh, many of you have seen the presentation of the gospel using eggs about this big, but have you ever seen them this big? So everything's bigger and better in, amen. Hey, listen, we're glad you're here today. Again, I hope you received a, a worship guide when you came in. It's one simple page, but at the bottom, you can put your name and contact information. Please do that, tear it off. And when you exit today, just place that in one of the buckets at the entrances and exits. And what that will do is that will register you for our giveaways. And you'll want to put your name in there because uh, we have some fantastic prizes and giveaways we want to do uh, after the service today. And, and, and let me say this as we begin, if, um, if, you're, if you have a little one here with you, we want you to keep them in here as long as, um, as, long as they can, can stand, all right? As long as they can stand. If they just get irate and belligerent, then just go ahead and take them out and, and, and beat them. No, I'm just kidding. We don't want to beat them. We don't want to beat no kids. Amen. We just take them out uh, and just put them, come on out in the, in the four-year area. Maybe we can open up the doors and you can, can watch us. So what we want to do today is we want to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a different way, in a creative way, using these uh, resurrection eggs. And here's what it's going to look like. I'm going to go to each one of the eggs, there's 12, and I'm going to lift it up, and, and within the egg, there is an object, an object lesson. And I will hold the object lesson up for everyone to see, okay? And then I'll read a scripture, and the scriptures will be on the screens here to my right and to my left, and there's one in the back that I'll be reading. And then I'll give a brief explanation of the object in the egg to help illustrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, so let me, let me get this straight. You've got 12 objects, 12 scriptures. Does that mean this is a 12-point sermon? No, it's not. Uh, it, it, we're going to go quickly, all right, because uh, I know attention spans are, are, are hard right now, especially there's lots of excitement. We're, the helicopters, I hope they're going to make it. There has to be uh, a certain clearance uh, of, of leveling, and so we're, we're about 700 feet clearance, and we got to get to 1,000. So let's pray that that happens because those helicopters cannot come inside the building. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a plan B. We're going to put the eggs in the atrium and in the great hall if the helicopters aren't able to drop the eggs. But we're praying that they are able to do that, okay? So we're going to give you instructions about that in just a moment, but for now, we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're going to use these these friends here, these, these eggs. Okay. Object lesson number one. I don't know if you can see this, but this is a donkey, all right? The donkey represents the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into, into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We celebrated that just last Sunday. The Bible says in the Gospels, they brought the donkey, okay, and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them and set him, Jesus, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the Bible says, then multitudes. Can you picture this in your mind's eye? There are multitudes, thousands upon thousands of people lining the streets of Jerusalem because the King, King Jesus, the one who had taught amazing lessons and parables, who had uh, raised people from the dead. He had healed blinded eyes. He had done amazing things. He was so compassionate, so kind, and he taught people that God is not against them. Jesus said, God is for you. God loves you, and I come to give my life for you. So the people are praising him, and they're shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus comes riding in on a donkey. 
One person describes it this way, when they laid their, their clothes and their, uh, you know, their cloaks and the palm trees and the branches, when they laid those out, that was the modern day equivalent of us rolling out the red carpet for an esteemed and honored guest. And so that's what the people were doing. They were praising Jesus. And then we come to the next egg, and the scene becomes a little more somber. But this is the story. This is the passion of Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what this is that I'm holding here? This would be a, a money bag, all right? This has come back in style, by the way, in Europe. Lots of guys wear these little, little bags here. But anyhow, within this money bag, can you hear that? That's money. Anybody want to guess how much money is in here? Hey, hey, we got some Bible scholars in the house today. These are 30 coins, silver coins. You say, why is that so significant? Well, because the Bible says that Jesus had 12 disciples, but one of them, a man by the name of Judas Iscariot, he was a betrayer. He was a pretender. He pretended to love Jesus, but in actuality, he was more interested in this than he was in following Christ. And so the Bible describes it this way. Then one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priest and he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus to you? Do you hear the betrayal there? You know, he is supposed to be a friend of Christ, and yet he says, if you will just give me something, maybe some money, then I will betray him to you. And so they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. And so from that time, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus Christ. And we know that he did because in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was praying, Judas came up to him and kissed him on the cheek, and that was the sign of betrayal. But before all that happens, we'll back up into a place called the upper room. And in the upper room, Jesus Christ is going to have the Passover, and we call it today the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. Can y'all see this cup that I'm holding here? This is a cup much like the cup that Jesus and the 12 would have been drinking from. Now, it would be larger than this, right? It's a chalice, so it would be larger. And within this chalice or in this cup would be the wine. And Jesus Christ, he took bread and he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. And this is my blood that will be poured out, will be shed for you for your forgiveness of sins. Now, the disciples are listening, but they're just really, it's not registering with them. They, they don't fully understand even though Jesus had told them many times leading up to the cross that, hey, this is what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to be betrayed, and people are going to crucify me, but do not fear, do not worry, because on the third day, I will arise from the dead. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me, but I willingly lay it down, right? So this is the cup of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Okay, and now we come to the next egg. This is one of my favorite object lessons. Can you see that? This is a praying hands, okay? Now, why would this be so significant in the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, here's why. The Bible says that they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, you sit here while I, what? What did he say? Pray, right. And so Jesus, he took Peter, James, and John. Those would be his three disciples in his inner circle. And he began to be troubled, Jesus did. And he became deeply distressed. 
And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death, stay here and you watch and pray and I will go and I will pray. And maybe you've seen pictures of Jesus kneeling in the garden of Gethsemane against a stone. And he's crying out to God the Father. He's saying, is there any other way? And three times Jesus asked that this cup of suffering might be removed from him. But each time Jesus said, no, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You know, Jesus is so amazing. He's so incomparable. Unlike every other religious leader who claimed to be a prophet or a king for God, only one came and and literally said, I will give my life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. So these are the praying hands. Ah, boy, this is a tough one. Anybody know what this is? This would be a whip. Now, the whip that the soldiers would use would be a lot longer than this one and a whole lot more lethal and deadly. And the Bible says that after Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, immediately Judas comes, kisses him on the cheek, and the soldiers come and they take Jesus. And the Bible says they brought him to Pilate, the Roman governor, and he took Jesus and had him scourged. Now, that word scourge, literally, it means to be beaten within an inch of your life. And so, one of the Roman soldiers, they would wrap Jesus around a pole, and he would literally, his back would be bare and exposed to them. And that Roman soldier took a whip like this, much longer. And by the way, at the end of the whip, there would be bone, there would be metal attached to these thongs, and there would be scraps of just rock. And they would take this whip, right? And they would throw it against Jesus' back and and they would let it entrench into the very flesh of Jesus. Then they would rip it out. And many people died as a result of the scourging of 39 lashes. You say, well, wow, why in the world would anybody do that to somebody who loved people, who taught that God loved them, who healed the dead, who helped the lepers and who touched the sick? Why would anybody do that? Well, the reason it happened is because Jesus said, I lay down my life as a sacrifice because Almighty God, He's so holy and He's so just, and you people are so sinful, there's no way for you to get to God the Father, so I'm going to be a bridge, I'm going to be a sacrifice, and I'm going to lay down my life for you. And this is an integral part of the passion of Jesus, is the whip. All right, our next one. Oh my word, what in the world is this? This looks like some kind of bird. What do you think this bird is? Anybody? Can you see that? Hey, what is this creature? That's a rooster. Now, some of y'all are going, what in the world does a rooster have to do with Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection? Well, this rooster plays an important part because Jesus, the Bible says, he told Peter, A second time, the rooster is going to crow, and then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Watch this. Now, Jesus told Peter, the night that he was betrayed, he told him, now listen to me, Peter, the rooster is going to crow twice, and before that, you will deny that you know me three times. And that's exactly what happened. And the Bible says that Peter, when he thought about it, he went out and wept. And what's so significant about this is Peter... He's one of Jesus' disciples. He loves Jesus. 
And he said, Jesus, I'll be brave for you. I will stand for you, though everybody else flees from you. No matter what happens to you, Jesus, I'm going to be with you. And Jesus said, that's just not true, Peter. Because before this rooster bird crows twice, you will have denied that you even know me three times. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I'm so glad this is part of the Bible. Because there are times that, and maybe you're a Christian and you're here today and you would say, you know, I'll never deny the Lord. I'll never do anything to bring shame to him. But you find yourself that you do and I do. But what's so beautiful about this story is that Jesus will forgive Peter, as you'll notice. Okay, so we're going to the next one. Hey, we're halfway through. You ready? Oh, wow, this is significant. Wow, tremendous job, by the way. This thing is real. Wow. Now, this would be actually very comparable to what was placed on Jesus' head. I, I tell you, this, is going, this might hurt a little bit, but I'll put it on my head. Man, those are, those are some serious thorns in this crown. And by the way, this is exactly what happened to Jesus. After he was beaten almost to death, the Bible says that the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted, here it is, a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed their knee to him, mocking him, and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And so what's happening here is Jesus Christ is being mocked. He's being ridiculed. He's being persecuted. They're saying, oh, you're, you're a king. Well, every king needs a crown, so let us give you this crown. And what's so amazing to me is that Jesus Christ allowed them to do that. And all along, he told them earlier, he said, I I'm telling you, all I have to do is just nod to the Father above, and he will send thousands of angels, and they will come down, and they will annihilate you, and they will take me out of here. But that's not what happened. Jesus endured all this shame. He endured all this ridicule, and all this pain, and all this persecution. Why? Because I said earlier, we're sinful. We need help. We need somebody that will bridge the gap and reach to God. We need, we need the perfect sacrifice. We need the God and man, and that is Jesus Christ and him alone. And so he comes and he endures this crown of shame and this crown of suffering. And the next one, wow. Can you all see this? This would be the nails. This is actually pretty comparable, pretty, pretty much in length of size of the, of the nails that they would have used to crucify Jesus Christ. You say, wow, Brother Danny, this is, a, this is an intense story that you're telling. Well, it's an intense gospel. It, and it's all true that they as soldiers, they would take nails like this and they would penetrate Jesus about right here. I don't know if you can see this in my wrist. They wouldn't put it there because the weight would rip away easily. But the way the bones are configured in the wrist, if you put it there, then a person can hang on a cross for hours. And then he delivered him to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus and they led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him. And by the way, the way they did that is they would place a nail here, a spike in this wrist, a spike in this wrist, and then spike here in his feet like this, where one spike could penetrate both feet. And then they would impale him upon this cross. And Jesus dies on the cross. And on his left side, there is a robber and a thief. And on his right side, there is one as well. And the next resurrection egg that we want to look at 
Wow, this is, this is very well done, by the way, guys. Thank you all for helping me do this. This would be a spear, okay? Now, this spear would be used by the Romans to penetrate the, the pericardium, the heart area of Jesus Christ. The soldiers came. They broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. Watch this. But when they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. You know, this actually fulfilled prophecy in the Old Testament that said not one of his bones would be broken, and Jesus' bones were not broken, but he died on that cross, and they took a spear, and they pierced his side with it, and out of his side came blood and water, indicating, this is very important, watch this, indicating to all that indeed this man had died, okay? He didn't fall asleep. He just didn't kind of swoon and later, you know, got to be resuscitated. Hey, listen, just being beaten with 39 stripes with that whip was just about enough. And in some cases, it did actually kill the person. But Jesus Christ, he hung on that cross for six hours in pain and suffering and in humiliation and in great difficulty of soul. And Jesus Christ is laying down his life for the sins of the world. Okay, we only got just a couple more. Look at this. Wow. I wonder what this represents. Anybody? What is that? Wow, that would be a linen cloth. You say a linen cloth, kind of like the shroud. Is that what that's talking about? Exactly. The Bible says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea, a man by the name of Joseph. He himself was a disciple of Jesus, and that's important. Because the Bible says as a disciple or as a follower of Jesus would be somebody that loved Jesus, somebody who obeyed his teachings. And he was a wealthy man. And by the way, Jesus came to redeem all mankind, whether you're wealthy or poor, it does not matter. Jesus dies on the cross for the sins of the world. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, watch this. He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, right? And he laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and Joseph of Arimathea departed. Before I leave this, I've just got to say, guys, that was incredibly brave of Joseph to do that, right? Because in a lot of countries in our world today, it's places like North Korea, places like Iraq and Syria, and uh, especially in places like Egypt, to say that you are a Christian or that you are associated with Jesus Christ. Hey, Joseph says, not only am I associated with him, but I want his body. I want to take his body and I want to put it in my tomb. And by doing that, that was very courageous and it could have cost him his life. And so Joseph went and he gets the body of Jesus and he wraps it in this linen cloth and he places it in a tomb, and the entrance of the tomb, what would they put at the entrance of the tomb to seal it? A stone, right. Well, guess what I've got in this egg here? I've got a stone. That's a little bitty stone, right? But I could only get such a big stone, you know, in the egg. The stone that, that sealed the tomb of Jesus would be about the size of a car, all right? 
Have you ever seen like a Volkswagen car, one of those smaller cars, or a Fiat car? That would be about the size, the weight, the dimension of the stone that Joseph of Arimathea and some friends of his, they would roll that stone across the, the seal there and the Romans, man, the, the guards, they were absolutely like, yes, we're going to roll this stone there and we're going to make sure that that body is concealed there in the tomb. And so they would take it, the Bible says, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and the angel sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of this angel and became like dead men. You know what that means? That means they were so shocked and they were so perplexed that they probably passed out. I mean, wouldn't you if you saw an angel? <laughs> I mean, an angel from heaven come and roll away the stone and, uh, and, and when you would just be so perplexed, I know I would and I would probably pass out if I were one of those guards. Now, if I were to stop the story here and say, hey, God bless you guys. I hope y'all have a, a great day and go have, find some Easter eggs and then go hang out with your family and eat too much food, take a big old long nap. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for coming. Some of y'all be looking at me going, but wait a minute. There's got to be more to the story. There's got to be a there's got to be a happily ever after in here somewhere because, I mean, after all, the, 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 the thing that I enjoyed the most so far was this. And after this, it just went downhill. I mean, you, you're talking about a donkey and people were happy. Then after that, you've got all this suffering and all this pain. And you've got to understand why. The Christian religion, I mean, the, the very basic axioms of the Christian faith is this, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he died for the sins of the world. That's the gospel that he loved us so much that he died. Hey, but a lot of people have died. In fact, in fact, every person born has, has died. And a lot of those people who were born and died, they claimed to be great world religious leaders and prophets. And, and, and they all claimed, some of them even claimed to be Jesus. I mean, they, they claimed to be great people of God. But here's the thing about separating Jesus from all others. All of those prophets and priests and kings and so forth, religious leaders, when they went into the tomb, that was it for them. But the great news about Christianity is what's in this next egg. In fact, better say it, is what's not in this egg. There's nothing in there. And so there, that egg is empty because the tomb in Jerusalem is empty. And praise the Lord for that. Amen. Aren't you glad? Awesome. So the verse says, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. A few years ago, that's exactly what I did. I went to see the place where the Lord lay. And I have a picture of it. That is the actual tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem in 2008 when my family and I, we went and we opened that door and we looked in there and that's what the door said. He is not here for he is risen. And you say, well, well what has that got to do with me? Well, it's got everything to do with you. And that's why, that's why we share this story with you today. Because you may be here today and you've never one time realize just how much 
God loves you. God loves you so much that he would give his only son to be a sacrifice for your sins. So some of you may want to argue and say, well, I can just sacrifice for my own sins. I can just do enough penance. I can just do enough good deeds. And you know, when I die, God will just let me into heaven. And, And that is just not the case. The Bible says there's only one way for us to go to heaven. We have to have help. We have to humble ourselves. We have to ask Jesus Christ, would you please come into my life and forgive me and save me and do for me what I cannot do for myself, and that is to take me to heaven. So I'll close my message with these couple of scriptures, and then we'll be dismissed. Here, here, I want you to listen to this. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us are sinners and that we're separated from God. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin or the result of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans says also in 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love toward us. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, listen to this, guys. He did not just die for those people in first century Palestine. He died for the sins of the entire world. And that's what's so significant about Jesus Christ. He, he said he was from God. He said he was a, the son of God. And he backed it up by rising from the dead. So that, he says, if anyone calls upon my name, Romans 10, 9, 10, 9, and 13. For we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let me just invite you to bow your heads for just a moment and close your eyes. And I'm going to say a prayer for you today, and then we're going to come give you some more instructions about what we're about to do as far as the Easter egg hunt that's going to be fantastic. But if you would, just everybody, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you're here today and you've never responded to this great love, epic love story. If there's never been a time in your life and you would say, wow, you know, for the first time, this really makes sense. God went to great lengths for me. He did this for me. And I understand this is not a fable or a myth. This is not some kind of fabrication. This really did happen. And if that's you today, and you would say, I want Christ in my life. I want him to forgive me of my sins. And this is what I'd like for you to do. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'll just say a prayer for you. And as I'm praying for you, I would invite you to pray along with me. Now, you don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray silently, quietly, just kind of under your breath. You can pray these words with me. And I would invite you to do that. This is not just for children. It's not just for students. It's not just for married adults. It's not just for senior adults. This is for everybody. If you're here today and you would say, I want Christ. I I need him. I need forgiveness. I know that there's something missing in my life. Then I would invite you to pray with me. Just say it quietly, silently. You can say these words. Dear God in heaven, I know that you love me. I know for the very first time it seems that you are not against me. And Jesus thank you. I have never thanked you for what you did for me on the cross. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I want you to be my Lord and my King. And so Jesus, cleanse me with your precious blood that you shed on that cross. And I give you my past, I give you my present, my today, and I give you my future because you, just tell him, because you our God, and you are worthy of my worship. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, and I commit my life to you. 
Amen.